Welcome back to the Knicks Nation podcast presented by New York Sports Nation. New York Sports Nation, enhancing your New York fan experience. I'm your host, Manny Rodriguez. In the wee early morning hours of May 13th, I sent out a tweet. I woke up, got a couple hundred likes, went to work, got a couple more hundred likes, a couple more retweets, and people attacking me. We'll talk about that. Plus, the ringer with a mock draft. The Knicks aren't in the playoffs, so it's a tradition unlike any other. We talk mock drafts. Let's go. Okay, so we're going to begin this episode with a conversation about um, not this past year's team, but the year before that when the Knicks uh, made the playoffs for the first time in quite some time and uh, were eliminated in the first round by the, by the Atlanta Hawks. Um, shortly, if you remember, uh, Alfred Payton was the, was the starting point guard for the Knicks that season, and uh, Frank Milikina. Uh, was also on the team. However, he never got an opportunity to show what he's made of under Tom Thibodeau, and really for his entire career, he hasn't really been able to get a fair shake. Um, So after the Mavericks were able to defeat the Suns in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals, I sent out a tweet early in the morning on, on May 13th, and I will go ahead and read you the tweet. Frank Nilakina was stuck on the bench in New York. The Knicks went with Alfred Payton instead. Both players are in this Mavs Sun Series this year. Which player is getting playing time in the conference semifinals? Way to go, Tom Thibodeau, you defensive genius. Some people came to my defense. Some people liked what I had to say. I mean, you really have to take a look at the product that the Knicks had um, back in that playoff season in which Alfred Payton, you know, would dribble the ball up the court, hand it off to either Julius Randle, n- not even not even R.J. Barrett, really just Julius Randle because Alfred Payton would never go ahead and give the ball to R.J. Barrett whenever he was open. Alfred Payton was amongst the worst starting point guards that we have had during this uh, guard drought. Um, and, 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 you know, Frank Nilakina, like I said, never really got that opportunity. Well, both of them are now not with the Knicks. They're both, uh, they both went on to greener pastures. And, and it's Frank Nilakina, the answer uh, to, to which player is getting playing time in the conference semifinals. It's Frank Nilakina. Um, it's another example of just franchise malpractice by the Knicks. It, it really is. Um, I don't understand how the Dallas Mavericks were able to see something in Frank Nilakina that the Knicks were never able to see. People don't understand the type of impact that Frank Nilakina has. The mouth breathers who are in the comments and, and, and attacking me on Twitter um, clearly did not watch Game 6 or have not been watching the playoffs at all. They're, they must be casual fans because Frank Nilakina has been playing excellent for the Dallas Mavericks. He played a great game in that game six against Dallas. Um, people wanted to throw the, uh, the, the, the stats at me, but you know, as any basketball fan would know, anybody with half a brain uh, in regards to basketball would know that if you read the box score, it, it doesn't tell the whole story. It doesn't even come close to telling the entire story. Frank Nilakina in game six of the contest um, against against uh, the, the Phoenix Suns, Nilakina played 21 minutes, a fraction over 21 minutes, took just one shot and missed it, a three-pointer, with one rebound, two assists, and uh, zero points. People were regurgitating that stat, those stats to me. But people just want to focus on the offensive side of the ball. 
Frank Nilakina had four steals in the contest along with one block. Five key defensive plays right there. Four steals led the team in those 21 minutes. Did not have a single point in those 22 minutes, yet had such an impact on the game. And that's something that the mouth breathers that don't watch the game, just go ahead, go online, go to NBA.com and pull up the box score. That's what they're going to throw back at you because they didn't watch the game. Simple as that. It happens all the time within basketball Twitter. People that simply do not watch the game, they'll go online, go ahead, because they're, they're on Twitter the entire time. Twitter fingers over here are the, on Twitter the entire time. Not watching the game, uh, they see a tweet that doesn't fit their agenda, and they will go to NBA.com, pull up some stats, and, and that's what they'll base their, their argument on. Let me go ahead and read you some, some interesting tweets sent out by Tommy Beer. Um, great name, by the way. Uh, per NBA stats, Frank Nilakina has been the primary defender on Devin Booker for a total of 29 possessions in the series. Booker is one for six from the floor in five and a half minutes of matchup time. Frank, like I said, locked, uh, logged in 21, 22 minutes if you want to round it up. 22 minutes in the Mavs game six win and tallied four steals, a block, and was at a plus nine. So when you go ahead and, and watch basketball, you need to take into factor these types of players. Like, let's, let's think outside of the Knicks. Why don't we think about Matisse Thybul? Matisse Thybul is not going to pad the stats, but you know what? He's a pretty, pretty important piece to a pretty good basketball team. Unfortunately, things didn't work out for the Sixers because Tobias Harris isn't that guy, and neither is James Harden. James Harden with a beautiful textbook James Harden Game 7 performance, 11 points, 0 points in the second half. Absolutely hysterical, but I digress on that. You need a player like a Matisse Thibel. Andre Roberson was such a key player for the Oklahoma City Thunder back in the day when Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and James Harden were all on that team. They needed a guy who can lock down the other team's best player. Frank Nilakina, I don't want to say he'll lock down the other team's best player, but you know what? He's a pretty good piece to have in case there, there comes the opportunity for him to lock up either the uh, sixth man off the bench for the opponents or probably the best player on, on the team, in this case, uh, Devin Booker, or one of the best players on the team in Devin Booker. Uh, Tommy Beer continues with the following tweet. In this series, Devin Booker is shooting 46% when defended by Finney Smith. That's 40 points. Devin Booker is shooting 35% when defended by former Nick Reggie Bullock, scoring 27 points. Devin Booker is shooting 72% when defended by Luka Doncic, 30 points. Devin Booker is shooting 67% when defended by Jalen Brunson, 19 points. And Devin Booker is shooting 16% when defended by Frank Nilakina. Six points by Devin Booker when Frank Nilakina picks him up. And if you watch the series, unlike the mouth breathers on Twitter, you would see, you would be able to see that Devin Booker, when he's picked up by Nilakina, it is quite a struggle for him. Nilakina uses that wingspan. He uses that, that length to make ball handlers uncomfortable. That has been his thing his entire career. People want to go ahead and attack Frank Nilakina because of his lack of talent on the offensive side. Frank Nilakina is not an offensive player. We've known that from day one. We have known that from day one when Phil Jackson 
drafted him. He is not an offensive player. Jury's out on that. The jury's out on that. We know what Frank Nilakina is offensively, and it's not that good. Defensively, he's a hell of a player. A player worth a spot on the bench. A player that's worth a spot on the roster. Because again, he uses that length. He makes an impact on the defensive side. When Mitchell Robinson doesn't have, you know, a, a double-double performance with, you know, seven blocks a game, guess what uh, Guess what? Mitchell Robinson is doing? He is clogging up to paint to make drivers think otherwise about putting up a shot in the paint. They'll want to go ahead and kick it out. That's not going to show on the box score for Mitchell Robinson, but guess what? He made an impact on the play. It's the same thing with Frank Nilakina. That's how you analyze defense. Simple. It's not rocket science. It's basketball. 16%. Devin Booker is shooting 16% when defended by Frank Nilakina. Again, Booker is shooting 46% when defended by Finney Smith. 35% when defended by Bullock. 72% when defended by Doncic. And 16% when defended by Jalen Brunson. Over the first six games of the second round series versus the Suns, Tommy Beer would continue. With Frank Nilakina on the court, Dallas is allowing 101.5 points per 100 possessions. With Nilakina on the bench, Dallas is allowing 116.5 points per 100 possessions. 15 point difference. A 15 point difference when Nilakina is on the court as to off. Again, People want to go ahead and attack Frank Nilakina because he doesn't, he doesn't have the talent that you thought he would, the talent that a typical guard in today's game would need or needs. You take a look at how Steph Curry plays, how John Morant plays, how Jalen Brunson plays. It's, it, Frank Nilakina plays a different brand of basketball. And the thing with Nilakina is he can guard the one, he can guard the two, he can guard the three. But people don't seem to understand because, again, we have reached a point in basketball in basketball history where it's all offensive, all offensive, all offensive. But you have to take in account the defensive end of the sport. You know, again, if you're just out here not watching the games, just keep your mouth shut. You don't know anything. If you're not watching the game, then you don't know what you're talking about. Again, I will reiterate to Knicks fans, when Mitchell Robinson goes out there and has, you know, a six-point performance with nine rebounds and, you know, two blocks, are you guys mad at that? No, because you actually watch the game and you've seen Mitchell Robinson, his presence in the paint will go ahead and make a, a, the opponent think twice about what he wants to do. Again, that's how you analyze defense in this sport. You look at what the player, what options the offensive player has, and if he's picked up by somebody who has been playing well on the defensive side, guess what? That player is going to second guess. But that part of the sport is now just overlooked by the casual fan. Defense matters. Defense matters, no matter how much you hate it. And Frank Nilakina is pretty good at defending. Again, you want to go ahead and regurgitate the stats to me about Frank Nilakina in, in this series against the Suns. Yeah, he's only scored nine points, three for seven from the field, and two for six 
from behind the arc, but he has six steals and a block in, in this series. Defense matters, guys. Simple as that. My tweet got uh, it's easily the most popular tweet that I've ever uh, that I've ever sent out. I'm trying to find it. I've already I've lost it. I've got so far 89 retweets, 608 likes, and 62 comments on on that tweet. And there's a bunch of people who are, again, you know, saying saying that Frank is only putting up a couple of points a game. It's not Frank Nelikina's game. It's not Frank Nelikina's game. Again, that's like asking Mitchell Robinson to go out and get you 20, 20, and 10. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do that because he's a defensive specialist. It's like asking Nerlens Noel to catch a basketball. It's like asking Nerlens Noel to take a jumper from 25 feet out. That's not his game. That's not his game. Frank Milikina is a defensive player. Simple as that. People overlook that aspect, and, and it's unfortunate because you don't know basketball. You don't know hoops. Some people are bringing up the, the the point that, well, the Suns are a little bit deeper at the guard position. That's why Alfred Payton isn't playing. No, it's not. Alfred Payton is there for depth purposes. He Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing. He wouldn't be on a team. Come on. You're going to bring out depth? That, you're going to bring depth to the conversation? No. No, no, no. Just... Just hysterical. I mean, really, the mouth breather is attacking me, telling me that I don't know anything about basketball. No, you don't know anything about basketball, brother. You don't know a damn thing. Watch the sport. You'll realize defense matters. Watch the playoffs. You'll realize defense matters. I know the Knicks have only been to the playoffs a handful of times in the past 20 years. But once the season comes to an end for Knicks, for the Knicks, it seems as though Knicks fans just turn off basketball and they'll turn to baseball and they'll turn to whatever is on at the time. Maybe the MLS, who knows, but they don't watch playoff basketball. And I guarantee you, if people will watch playoff basketball, they would realize that basketball, uh, that defense matters in these type of games in these high leverage games. Go ahead. Watch, watch game seven between the Suns and the Mavericks. They're going to, there's going to be a couple of defensive plays, whether it's by Frank Nilekina or whether it's by another player. It's going to be a key defensive play in that contest. Why don't we take a look at the, the Bucks celtics game from a couple of nights ago with Drew Holiday's big steal on Marcus Smart late in the contest. Come on, guys. Defense is, an, is, is a huge part of the game as, of basketball, even bigger, uh, just as big as putting the ball in the basket. Frank Nilekina doesn't put the ball in the basket. Basketball is so much more than that, guys. Come on. Basketball is so much more than that. Simple as that. Well, it's mock draft season. Of course, the Knicks are in the lottery once again after failing to make the playoffs. Um, New York finished 37-45. and 45. They have the fourth worst chances to win the lottery this season. Um, we're recording on Saturday, May 14th, publishing on Saturday, May 14th. Well, the draft lottery will be held on May 17th, so we're just a few days away. So let's talk about the draft. 
The Knicks, again, 37 and 45 finish. They have a 2% chance to win the lottery, 2.2% chance to come in second, 2.4% chance to get the third pick, and a 2.8% chance to get the fourth pick. Um, then they have a 77.6% to get the 10th pick. That, those are their best odds. So, best, excuse me, to get the 11th pick. So, the 11th pick is the best case scenario for the Knicks according to the lottery odds. Um, then they have a 12.6% to attain the 12th pick, a 0.4% chance to get the 13th pick, and less than a 1%, uh, less than a 0.1% chance to get the 14th pick, the final pick, or the uh, the, the final pick of the lottery, the 14th pick. So, w- with that being said, um, I-, I pulled up this article by Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer. It hasn't been updated since April 25th, so we're talking about, what, two weeks since this was last updated. Um, so again, and again, you know, the lottery is in three days and then after that will be the combine and the draft isn't until June 23rd. So uh, don't exactly run off with what is about to be said and, and write it in stone. There's still so much time until the draft and still so much can happen. And again, like I said, the combine will go ahead and play a factor in that. But, um, you know, after being attacked the way that I was on Twitter... Um, with with my conversation with Frank Nilakina and people not understanding that it's a defensive conversation and not an offensive conversation, it seems as though Knicks fans are not going to like what Kevin O'Connor thinks the Knicks are going to be doing. With the Knicks, Kevin O'Connor has them drafting Jeremy Sohan, uh, Sohan of Baylor, a wing. Let me go ahead and read you the scouting report. Tom Thibodeau wants his young guys to earn their minutes and Sohan has the qualities of a player who could do that quickly. Sohan is the type of player Thibs would, uh, Thibodeau would build if he were playing NBA 2K. At Baylor, Sohan showed multi-positional versatility, defensive intelligence, and a relentless motor. Nothing about his offensive game right there. Sohan's habit of being a contagious tone setter would also be a breath of fresh air compared to Julius Randle, who slogs on defense. I see no lies. We continue. I dump Randall to the highest bidder on, and focus on building around Sohan, Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, and the rest of New York's young core. Sign me up for that future. You are absolutely right. I would love to see um, the Knicks decide to build around R.J. Barrett specifically, get rid of uh, Julius Randall and have Obi Toppin get his opportunity to be a four, get his opportunity to get minutes, more than just 12 minutes a game. Um, here's the thing that is going to probably uh, draw the ire of Knicks fans. Capable of excelling as an athletic two-way player who can defend all five positions. And here's the caveat. And if, if, that's the key word, if he develops a jump shot, he has limitless potential. He is being compared to Ben Simmons, who doesn't really have an offensive game at all. He would, Ben Simmons, as he is notoriously known, will go ahead and give up a, a, a layup with Trey Young defending him to pass it to a guy who's driving baseline. Um, shades of Draymond Green. Uh, again, Draymond Green, not exactly known to put up 25 points a game. But again, uh, that's, he's another good example in the Frank Nilakina conversation. Draymond Green is quite a key player for the Knicks. Yeah, Draymond Green has more of a playmaking ability than Frank Nilakina, but you know what? On defense, Draymond Green plays a factor just like Frank Nilakina does. 
Um, and also shades of Aaron Gordon. So comparables for Jeremy Sohan is Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, and and uh, Aaron Gordon. He does have the ability to uh, playmake. Um, here's more on Sohan. Um, elite defensive prospect who can defend across all positions. He's super active, a total pest for offenses. NBA switching schemes are perfect for his skill set. He has the toughest toughness and strength to handle bigger players inside, plus the length and mobility to handle quicker players on the perimeter. He hustles hard. He hustles hard, communicates, and displays excellent awareness all over the court. He can serve as a rim protector in pick and roll or defend at the point of attack. There is nothing he can't do. Active on the boards and consistently boxes out. Following a defensive board, he's a talented open floor passer who rewards running teammates. That would be a great, that would be a great, great fit if he can go ahead, get a board, and just throw an outlet to a breaking Obi Toppin on the other side of the court. He's a playmaker with a fluid handle that features misdirection and sudden movements to generate space. At six foot nine, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's too big for smaller players to contain. And even though he's a limited shooter, again, key words in today's uh, NBA, and even though he's a limited shooter, defending him with a big means he'll drive right by him. He's a potential mismatch nightmare with his combination of size and speed. He's a skilled interior player. He can score with either hand around the rim or take off from the dunker spot when he's hit with dump-off passes, which... Could be fine with R.J. Barrett. If R.J. Barrett is having a good game, uh, defenses will start to collapse on him, and maybe he can go ahead. Uh, Sohan, he could drive the baseline and throw it down. Um, let's see, what, where did I lead him off? When he attacks, he leans on a spin move. With a deep bag, he's able to draw a ton of fouls. If paired with a knockdown shooter, he could feast on the short roll due to his combo of passing, handling, and finishing. So... Um, again, uh, closest thing the Knicks have to a knockdown shooter feels as though is is Emmanuel quickly. And even though you take a look at the stats, Emmanuel quickly put up uh, his percentage from three point wasn't exactly what we wanted after a fine uh, a fine rookie year for Quick from behind the arc. This second season from behind the arc for Quick was not the best. I believe he shot about thirty some percent from behind the arc in the low thirties. I don't have that stat in front of me, but uh, I will go ahead and uh, I'm telling you that that's that, that, that he was at about 30% from uh, from behind the arc. Excuse my stuttering as I try to find um, Frank, uh, excuse me, Emmanuel Quickly's final stats from behind the arc this past season. I finally got it. He shot 34.6% from behind the arc, so 30, 30, uh, 35%. So. Um, and that is coming off a season in which uh, he converted 39% of his three-point shooting. So a bit of a downward season for Emmanuel quickly from behind the arc. But again, quick, um, you know, there's nobody else on the team that I would rather have take an open three-pointer than Emmanuel quickly, if I'm being, if I'm being frank. Um, unproven shooter, but his potential is intoxicating when he's making turnaround jumpers from the elbow area, a lost art in today's game. He has a high unblockable release and the coordination to unleash tough shots, but his efficiency is an issue. That sounds a little bit like Kobe Bryant. He's the son of two athletes. Both his mom and dad played college ball at Oklahoma. Here is Here are Kevin O'Connor's minuses on Jeremy Sohan. Um, he lacks a reliable shot. And again, that's going to 
I can hear the Knicks fans groaning now. Um, he lacks a reliable shot. He's made just 31.7% of catch-and-shoot threes and only 57.5% um, of his free throws. Yikes. He has a slow, methodical release off the catch that doesn't look nearly as fluid as his pull-up. He's shooting 35.7% on pull-up twos and floaters, but hasn't taken many pull-up threes. Without a proven jumper, defenses will dare him to shoot. Uh, he hasn't displayed the ability to successfully post up, which would be a valuable tool considering his size. I mean, 6'9", 230 pounds, am I right? Um, being able to post up a smaller player or draw double teams would also mitigate the need for him to improve as a shooter, which is a much tougher task. Take some occasional, he does take some occasional risk on defense, including mistakenly jumping passing lanes, and he is not always on point with his fundamentals, such as closing out with proper te technique. Then again, his risk-taking is also what makes him so disruptive. That kind of reminds me of, kind of reminds me of, of Mitchell Robinson to a certain extent, not with the jumping the passing lanes, but um, being taking risks, especially when uh, Mitchell Robinson is, you know, in foul trouble and he wants to block everything. Remember, in Mitchell Robinson's uh, what rookie year, uh, he wanted to block everything. I mean, he was jumping out of the gym to block everything, and he would end up getting five fouls by, you know, mid-third quarter. Um, you know, the risk-taking as well with Mitchell Robinson, especially um, one that comes that, that's ingrained in my head. I can see him right now jumping as high as he possibly can to try to block a three-pointer, which in some cases worked, other cases didn't, and he ended up fouling. So, I mean, there you have it on, on Jeremy Sohan, a uh, like I said, six foot nine, two hundred and thirty pounds, nineteen years old. He just finished his freshman year at Baylor, in which he averaged eight point seven points a game, shot twenty nine point nine percent from behind the arc. Um, so obviously, the mouth breathers that were in my mentions the other day on Twitter are not going to like those two stats. He's able to, he was able to record six point one rebounds a game and record one point three steals a game. As long as well as 0.7 blocks per game. So, um, Kevin O'Connor has the Knicks drafting uh, Jeremy Sohan, a a a kid who who if he were to get into the league right now, I think he would just be limited to just being a a, a playmaking defensive type player, kind of like Frank Nilakina, kind of like what people think Alfred Payton is. Um, but again, Sohan comes in at six foot nine, two hundred and thirty pounds, so he's at the wing. So, um, you know, a wing who will go ahead and, and dribble the ball a little bit, who can, who's able to do that, um, you know, something that Kevin Knox really wasn't able to do efficiently. Um, so we'll see. I mean, again, we are so so far removed from the NBA draft that this can go ahead and change in, in a heartbeat. I mean, you take a look at. Uh, who O'Connor has being drafted before. He has the Wizards drafting Benedict Matherin of uh, Arizona with the 10th pick. And uh, right after Zohan with the 12th pick, they got uh, Akbaji, Ochi Akbaji from Kansas, the national champion Kansas, uh, getting drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, I mean, again, it's just, it's just so much time until then, until June 23rd when... Um, the draft is we'll have an NBA champion by then. You know we're still we don't we only have half of the conference finals thus far. So again, you know here's some information for you. Go ahead and dissect it. 
If you don't want Sohan, that's fine. Remember, this was published two weeks ago, and we're still, uh, I don't have a calendar in front of me, six, seven, eight weeks away from the NBA draft. So don't freak out. I know we're in an era in which you hear something and you have to have an immediate reaction. Um, don't, don't, don't take this run away with it and start to panic about it. All right, there's still so much time, including the lottery. We don't even know where the Knicks are going to be picked. For all we know, the Knicks might end up, you know, with a frozen ping pong ball that is is drawn, and the Knicks can get a top four pick, and they could um, get a shot at Jabari Smith, or they can get a chance at Chet Holmgren, they can get a chance at Paolo Boncaro, or they can get a chance at Shady on Sharp, or or even Jaden Ivey. I mean, you know, Knicks fans have been asking for. Knicks, Knicks fans have been asking for a guard, um, you know, and there's an opportunity there for the Knicks to potentially get one still. Um, it's slim, but, I mean, it's better than nothing, am I right? So, again, don't take what is given right now and just run away with it. Again, we're so far removed from the draft, so don't panic. Stay calm and, and watch basketball. And <laughs> Watch basketball. Watch the NBA playoffs because it's, it's a good brand of basketball. And you'll find out that defense matters in these types of games. And well, there, there you have it. Another episode in the books here on the Knicks Nation podcast. Um, people, watch playoff basketball. Watch basketball after your favorite team season ends. It's pretty freaking cool. It's awesome. You'll learn a lot about the sport. Plus, again, like I said in, in the final segment about the Ringers uh, mock draft, don't run away with what was given. Okay, still a lot of time from then, uh, from now until the draft. So keep calm, don't panic, and don't come at me on Twitter. Eh, Unless you want to. Go ahead, give me the intention. I'm Andy Rodriguez signing off. This is the Knicks Nation podcast presented by New York Sports Nation. New York Sports Nation, enhancing your New York fan experience. Till next time, go New York, go New York, go.